Welcome to the Fit Physician Podcast, the busy women doctors go to resource to take your strength, fitness, and confidence to levels you never thought imaginable. You spent your life dedicated to the health of others. It's time to prioritize your own. Now, your hosts. Hello and welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in to the first ever episode of the Fit Physician Podcast. My name is Jake Wright, aka your Fit Physician Coach. And for those of you who don't know me, I have been a personal trainer, specifically specializing in women's health and fitness for the past 15 plus years now, which is a little scary to say, and the past six years dedicated to coaching busy women physicians such as yourself through the Fit Physician Program and the Canadian Women's Physicians Fitness Community. And today, I am so excited to introduce you to our guest host for the podcast, my business partner, coaching partner, and none other than Dr. Suzanne Rutherford. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get started on these and to to talk today. I couldn't be more excited. So for those of you who don't know Suzanne, she is a practicing physician currently working in palliative care. She is a mother of two. She uh, was a family physician running her own practice. And when it comes to health and fitness, she walks the walk and she talks the talk. Having coached alongside her for so many years, she has helped to transform not only our clients' health and fitness, but also to my health and fitness. She is just that type of person that she's inspiring. She's motivating. She is so down to earth. She's very knowledgeable. And so we're going to dive into a little bit of that later into the podcast. But I want to start with Suzanne. What was that initial aha moment you had in your life that led you to want to become a doctor? Um, I don't know if it was one specific aha moment. It really started from when I was actually relatively young in high school. Um, I've always been really fascinated with the human body, which sort of goes in keeping with the fact that I love fitness, I love nutrition and, and things that manipulate the human body. Um, I loved sciences in high school. I uh, really early on actually started working at a gym and started getting into fitness and nutrition and understanding more about, you know, thinking about human physiology. And I really was intrigued at looking at the human body like a machine. Um, you know, one of the smartest, most advanced machines, if not the most that we have out there. Um, and then combined with that, when I was in high school, I actually started to um, uh, work as a lifeguard at a camp where the um, the campers were all individuals who had developmental challenges. So right away, I got the to experience um, how amazing it is to be able to, you know, make an impact on people's lives, to genuinely, you know, um, uh, help people and and just have that human to human connection. So I knew I wanted that in my career. Uh, I wanted to be able to feel like I was making an impact, being able to help people have that human connection. I love the human body, um, you know, and the the physiology behind it. So medicine was really just a natural career choice for me. So it was really probably about grade twelve. I started thinking ahead towards my my goals and what I needed to do to to get there. So it prompted me to do my undergrad uh, in biomedical sciences and with a with a minor in nutrition, and then just kept rolling from there. I just it's something I always knew I wanted to do. 
And ironically, I don't have any doctors in my family. There was no one that I was shadowing after. I'm, it's rare. Most of the time, you know, there is something that I am, I'm the first physician in my family. Uh, so it's something that I just, yeah, that came to me on my own. So cool. And you went to uh, medical school in Australia and I believe you had your firstborn in Australia. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So when I was applying to medical school, obviously it's incredibly, incredibly uh, challenging, competitive field to get into. And um, I, you know, my, my grades were good, but I, they, it wasn't a slam dunk that I was going to get in. So when I applied to universities here, medical schools here, um, I also started thinking about plan Bs uh, as far as, you know, if I didn't get in. There was, you know, back when we were applying, often you had to apply once, twice, even three times before you would actually often even be considered. Um, and so uh, my husband had always, my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, uh, he had always wanted to travel and do the backpacking thing, do Australia, um, particularly. And so obviously with my career and, and my ambitions, it was hard to take a lot of time off to do that. So we decided to start looking into Australia at medical schools. So originally, originally we applied with the whole purpose being, I'm just going to go to the interviews for the purpose of having practice for my interviews back here in Canada. And then I went to the interview and as all Australians do, fell in love with the actual panel and the people and they totally sold the school on me. Um, it was Flinders University of South Australia where I had, I had um, interviewed for. And it was one of the few schools that had a postgraduate medical school degree there. So uh, I ended up getting in and then the plan was let's just go for the first semester, see how it goes and, you know, get a bit of a taste of Australia. And then if I get into medical school back here, I would come back because the years are, we don't line up. So they're start in January. My med school interviews here would have started in early spring, late winter. So the plan was just to go. And if I got in, we would just live six months in Australia, come home. Well, we went to Australia, fell in love. Um, honestly, it was the best experience. I did get one, only one interview, um, but I ended up not even coming home for it. We just stayed. And, you know, it's a perfect example. And I tell my, my grown kids all the time, life just throws you opportunities and you don't always see them coming. But if they're there, take them. And, you know, taking that experience, we ended up living for seven years. I did my medical school. I did training in uh, emergency medicine there. I had my first daughter there. Uh, we had our first dog there. We bought our first house there. We really had a whole life there, um, but ended up coming home to be close to family and because I love winter, which I know sounds crazy to a lot of people, but it was actually a drawing feature um, along with my family, obviously, to, to come back home. Yeah, so good. We both share a passion um, for winter. And so on that note, let's transition into the, the fitness side of things. And let's talk a little bit about your own health and fitness journey. And let's start with um, childhood. And I know we've discussed before and I've been part of discussions with yourself and, and just um, what the diet culture was like in your house growing up. And then let's, let's prelude from there. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely I grew up in the, you know, 80s when diet culture was very prominent everywhere in the world, in my house and everywhere I turned outside of, of the walls of my house. Um, it was all about fad diets. It was all there. I saw it all, the cabbage soup diet, you know, I could name them all on, uh, you know, on and on and on. Um, so I definitely grew up with it. 
I definitely grew up in the time where being small and thin was seen as the ultimate goal for women. Um, you know, strength really wasn't what was what was promoted in, in any way. It was all about being, you know, the smallest you could possibly be on your frame. Um, I ironically, as I mentioned, so in high school, I ended up uh, being, I was a bit of a nerd, <laughs> as we all are a little bit. I was a bit of a nerd. So I ended up getting through all of my high school courses pretty, pretty fast. So I did a lot of OAC courses in grade 11 and 12. So by the time I was actually in my last year of high school, I had a lot of spares. I didn't have a a big heavy course load. So I started actually um, volunteering at a local gym in my small town. And that's when I started, um, started uh, strength training. Generally, it was pretty much on machines then not a lot of, you know, uh, free weights or anything like that, but on machines. And right away, I knew um, that I loved the way I felt when I had strength and muscle on my body. And so I pretty early on kind of pushed back the whole, you know, it's all about being the smallest size you could be. And then really early on, I did start to um, focus on my strength. And and I loved the look and the feel of having muscle. Um, obviously, with my nutrition side of things, very interested in that. Um, it was, it's always been a big part of my life. Um, back then we didn't have as much access to really good information. That being said, we didn't really have much access to bad information either. Right. So now we have access of both. So it was sort of the, the information that I had was what I went looking for. Um, and I would say most of it was pretty decent. Um, and a lot of it was pretty terrible. So when I started my nutrition, um, uh, courses in, as, as I mentioned, it was my minor in my, my undergraduate and started working with some nutrition, uh, you know, professors and things like that, who, who studied the biochemistry of nutrition, I started to really see it more right from the get go as that, as biochemistry, as a science versus, you know, a faith which a lot of people see it as, you know, their diets and their nutrition, they're very, you know, passionate beliefs in it, where I really from the get go saw it truly as what it is science, biochemistry. And, and so really, from the early days, I love to look at it from the scientific angle, um, from the evidence behind it, and try to stay away from the fad diets, it doesn't mean I'm successful, I definitely have tried my fair share, you know, in times of, of, you know, not desperation, but really wanting to make changes, particularly fast changes. I've tried some some crazy things, as everybody has, but um, really from the get go, I've really tried to see nutrition, uh, you know, as a science that I love to learn about. Yeah, and so um, that was what my next question was going to be, and I think I'm going to tie this together with two questions. Was You've talked about a challenging time, a struggle for yourself was when you were going through the M&Ms, motherhood and medical school. And that was a time where you just found it next to impossible to prioritize yourself. So tell us a little bit about that. And if you have a story, tell us a little bit about maybe the craziest thing you've tried or that thing you tried or that moment that you look back on where you're like, wow, I can't believe I tried that or I believed in that at a certain point in time. Yeah, so definitely with medical school, and I I was pregnant in medical school. Um, so the medical medical school and motherhood hit me together, um, which was very difficult. And I was living abroad. We were in Australia. Um, my husband was working very busy, long hours supporting me through medical school. Um, he's been amazing from the get go. So life was pretty crazy for a while, and um, getting time 
to really focus on my workouts and nutrition was more challenging. And I will say from the get-go, my nutrition was probably what took the back seat. Um, I started being less intentional about it and definitely started to see changes in the way I felt and in my body composition, the way clothes felt, all of those things in a direction that I wasn't really comfortable with, particularly after I had my my first um, daughter. Uh, it was hard to keep up, you know, during pregnancy and during medical school and everything. So I was left feeling pretty uncomfortable in my own skin, um, after I had her. So I ended up signing up with a trainer at, in, in Australia and she was, you know, there, she, she was primarily strength based, which was great. But she had some very, very extreme um, thoughts around nutrition, and she definitely sort of trapped me in it. And I, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I also am, you know, want to be real and want to be, you know, genuine and and understanding that even someone who has a background in nutrition and has, you know, understands the science behind it can get trapped in a lot of this, you know, uh, misinformation. So she was very anti-carb. So it was all about eating protein, protein, protein. And I love protein. You all know everyone who talks to me, I love protein. So you won't, you won't hear me, you know, criticizing her for that. But she had it so that I couldn't eat. I wasn't eating any carbs. And, you know, it was eating cans of tuna and hard boiled eggs. And like, I was honestly looking back disgusting what I was eating. Um, but I did achieve uh, some body composition changes. So that's the problem, right? You see some results and you're like, oh, I'm going to keep going, keep going. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're 12 weeks in and you're just miserable because you're eating nothing but cans of tuna and egg whites and, you know, not really finding any joy in the food and you're feeling deprived and restricted. And I remember one day I was driving home from medical school and um, those of our, our clients and, and people that have heard us, you know, talk with the, with our physician community have heard me tell this story before. I was driving home from a long day of lectures and I was starving and it was about a 15 minute drive and I was, I was um, breastfeeding at the time. So again, really, really, really hungry. And I had an apple in my bag. And I remember trying to convince myself not to eat the apple because the carbs in the apple, like to wait till I could get home to my protein source. Um, And I remember having like a struggle inside my mind over eating an apple. And luckily, that was my light bulb moment of like something is totally messed up in my mind. And the way she is coaching me in nutrition is not healthy or balanced. If she can actually, you know, put me in a place and a space that I'm actually having any sort of mental anguish over the idea of eating an apple. That is craziness, complete craziness. And I legit, legitimately um, terminated our relationship within that week. I think I maybe did one more session with her and then ended it because I knew it wasn't going in the right direction. Pretty crazy now when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty crazy to think about, but we all learn. Like I look back on some of the things I did in fitness as a trainer. I can remember being taught about standing on a Swiss ball, like an um, exercise medicine ball to work on your balance and then trying to do like exercises with dumbbells in your hand. And I can remember falling once when I was at the University of Waterloo and almost breaking my wrist and thinking to myself, what am I doing? And now I think about that moment and I'm like, what was I thinking back then? But that's part of all how we learn, right? And so um, on that note, we learn through doing things sort of the, 
in, in many ways, sometimes the wrong way. What are some of the things that have worked for you to make that change? You were at a point where you were feeling uncomfortable and you terminated that relationship. And what are some of the things that you've done since that time um, to get to a point where you're feeling happy, strong, confident, comfortable in your own skin? Well, obviously I started training with you. So that was a big one. Um, so when it comes to my strength training and my, um, again, I've done a lot of different things. Uh, I, I do love exercise for the pure love of it. Not all types, but I, I tend to be an active person, particularly outdoor sports and things. Um, the strength training I picked up when I started to work or to work out at, um, I shouldn't say that I picked it up again. So I kind of lost it through my med school and, and residency bit. Um, and I ended up joining a circuit style gym. And I remember like the, the, the concept of that was just sweat as much as you can. And it was, it did incorporate strength training. It did incorporate high intensity interval. But I remember thinking like, unless I'm dead at the end, absolutely dead, it wasn't sufficient enough. And unless it was 50 minutes, it wasn't good enough. Like I remember really having very high expectations of what a workout was supposed to look like. Um, and definitely, you know, I was, I was getting my fitness back, but I wasn't feeling nearly as strong, functionally strong, healthy and, and well injury free like I am right now. And really that did start. Um, and I know that's not why you asked the question for self-promotion, but it's coming your way anyway, Jake. Um, it really was when I started training with you because I started to realize it didn't take, you know, destroying my joints, doing these crazy ass, just like you said, standing on bozu balls, jumping on and off things, doing a million exercises at one. It really was just about working out smart and effectively and efficiently. And that didn't require, you know, hours and hours and hours of my time. It could be done in 30 to 40 minute workouts, you know, three, four times a week, in addition to all the extra activity, outdoor activities and things I like to do. And that was, that was enough. So really that's changed everything for me. My, my focus on exercise truly is about getting me the results to be stronger and fit for life, you know, as I get older. And it's less about, you know, how much I sweat or if I needed to vomit at any point, you know, how intense it is, that's all gone. And again, looking back to how many years I spent doing the exercise for the sole purpose of it feeling hard, you know, and that being my judge of whether or not it was effective versus really intentional about why I'm doing the exercises and for what purpose. And that's really changed definitely in the last 10 years of my life as I get older and, you know, I'm 47 now. Um, as I as I think about where I want to be when I'm 57, 67, 77, you know, it's all these things that really it's, that's why I exercise now with that intention in mind. And so every exercise I do is very intentional when it comes to my nutrition, same thing. I've tried to get rid of all of the food noise in my brain, really understand that moderation is key, obviously prioritizing my protein, prioritizing my fiber, but not letting the rest of the sort of nitty gritties of it consume me. Um, just finding a nice balanced approach there. So I don't have a lot of what I call food noise in my head, a lot of chatter in my brain over what I should or shouldn't be eating. That's what I, ultimately I've, I've, you know, tried to achieve. And I think I've done a pretty decent job at it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would definitely say so. And, um, one of the questions I have for you is a lot of times as trainers or as a nutrition coach, or, you know, people might see our posts about 
fitness and working out, they assume that it is just, it's, it's something we love to do that we want to do all the time. But we, just like anyone else, go through the mental challenges and the mental battle of, oh, I really don't feel like doing this today. Or, oh, I don't know if I should, I really want to work out. What are some of the things, and I think you may have already alluded to this with thinking about longevity, but what are some of the things, let's, let's make it a two-part question. If you have a day where you're just exhausted, you're tired, um, you're burnt out and you don't feel like doing the workout, what are some of the things you either say to yourself or you do to get that workout in if it's the right choice? And the second thing is, what is it that fuels your drive for consistency long-term with exercise and nutrition? Yeah. So the first, um, with the first question, I would say it's, it's sort of two answers to that or two big approaches, strategies that I use. One thing that I found as I get older is that it's a lot easier to live your life. It's your life is a lot more joyful and a lot less tiring and definitely a lot less stressful. Um, if you live your life feeling proud of yourself and happy with your decisions and, you know, accomplished all of those things, life can definitely, if there's something that's going to suck the joy and you'll hear me talk about joy a lot. It's part of my work in palliative care, right? Filling your days with joy. Our life, we only get one shot at it. Our days are limited. So joy is something that I'm often really working at, you know, making sure that I, I'm, I'm filling my life with it as much as possible. So it, one thing that can really suck your life of joy is feeling disappointed in yourself, feeling, you know, like you've let yourself down, feeling like you're not in control of decisions. So when I'm really struggling with motivation, which happens a lot, again, I, I'm really glad you asked this question because a lot of people do just assume, especially when I say things like, I love exercise. It's, it doesn't mean every day I would like to go down and, you know, lift up the weights. It's not like that at all. But when I'm struggling on days, I often think of what decision is going to make me feel proud of myself. Which, what decision is going to make me feel like I've accomplished something, like I haven't let myself down. And those kind of questions, what the answer is, is how I proceed. So if right now, and, and it doesn't always mean I, it, it ends up in a workout. So if I'm really struggling, it's been a really busy day. I ended up having to rush off to the hospital because I got called in early and I didn't get my morning workout in. My plans all went and all of a sudden I'm home from my day of work and going down to the gym is really the last thing I want to do. I'll often think, you know, what decision is going to sit well with me right now? You know, what is going to make me feel good about myself, good about my choice, empowered, all of those things. Most of the time it's going down and even getting a 15 minute workout in you know, and, and that's something I'll, I'll talk about in the second part of this answer. Sometimes the answer is, you know what, not doing that because I'm really tired and I didn't sleep well. Cause I got a lot of calls from the night from the hospital overnight and I'm really tired and actually just giving myself permission to just give it a miss is actually what's going to sit best with me and make me feel good about myself and make me feel empowered and, you know, all of those things. So, um, I just try to try to just answer that question about how I'm going to feel about my decision and what the best decision is for me. Um, like I said, nine times out of 10, it, it is, you know, getting out for that walk, going down to the gym, you know, whatever, getting that movement in. Um, and that's when I really do employ the, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, start with that. And if that's all I've got in my tank, that's more than enough. You know, I did it. I can feel good. I can feel accomplished. I can feel, you know, I'm, I'm pushing back from any sort of disappointment or let down in myself by any means, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good about that. 
Um, and then most of the time, 10 or 15 minutes in, I often, you know, find that the energy's there and I've got 10 or 15 minutes more in my tank and I keep going. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. Especially the, the notion of just finding joy in the day and also to just making and basing your decisions around what's going to make you feel proud. And so that leads me into my next question, which you've spent the past years coaching hundreds of women and helping women uh, in group settings and one-on-one busy women physicians with their nutrition coaching. What are some of the common roadblocks you see that, that women come into the fit physician program, Canadian women, physicians, fitness community, some of, some of the things, the low hanging fruit that they can start to work towards just initially to start making those decisions to feel pride and and be happy with the decisions they're making and start to shift um, the trajectory and, and the cycle of where they're going with their health and fitness. Yeah. Well, the first one, just being that first of all, allowing themselves to be proud of themselves. It's funny how many women, and and I know, I mean, you see it there, you know, and we talk about this with our clients. It's amazing how many clients of ours who are making huge, huge um, gains in their their fitness and in their nutrition and are are really putting so much energy and effort and having amazing progress still have a hard time seeing it for themselves. Like they need almost an external voice to say, but you are doing great. You know, we tend to, and, and I speak as a female physician and I work with female physicians. So I'm speaking as this cohort, maybe it's a physician thing, a women thing altogether, or maybe it just happens to be the women that come our way that we work with, but we seem to have a hard time allowing ourselves to see our success and recognize it and take, we, we tend to always start with the, what I'm not doing versus what I'm doing well. So that's one of the first things. And, and always in a nutrition consult, often I have to stop, like put the brakes on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, let's not talk about what you don't think you've done. Let's really focus on what you have accomplished so far. Let's start with that. And, you know, again, once you have that external voice and you start to somebody else to recognize it or start the conversation. It's amazing what these women will be like, oh my goodness, yes. Like, holy moly, I've doubled my protein intake. I'm working out more than I've ever worked. I'm stronger. I'm lifting heavier weights. And, you know, then the floodgates are just open as to how they're successful. But for some reason, we seem to have a hard time allowing ourselves to recognize our own successes. And I think that's one of the first and foremost important things that when when we're coaching, um, you know, that that we can help these women actually give themselves permission to truly and honestly see their success. When it comes to nutrition, definitely the world is full of a lot of information. I would say 90% of it is very, very non-evidence-based, very biased, very poorly um, presented, and quite frankly, most of it's wrong. And so it's a lot of women come with a very busy, conflictual, conversation in their own minds about nutrition, right? Like are, are carbs bad? Is, you know, is, is keto the only way to go? Do I have to, you know, is intermittent fasting? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? It's a very confusing, uh, confusing thing. So one of the, uh, one of the best things we can do is just simplify it and simply start to, you know, talk about what really does matter, which is why with, with my clients, we always start at the basics. Um, one of my favorite things to work on is protein. Women need protein in our lives. We need more strength training. We need more protein so we can build the muscle, so we can keep the muscle as we age. It's such a huge, huge key to living well. Um, And focusing on protein is really a great way to do that. And 
what I love about that too, is that when we're focusing on protein, we're actually asking them to eat more of something. We're adding something, right? When so much of our life has been trying to, you know, in the diet culture, take away, you know, take away the food, eat less, cut out huge food groups like carbs or fats or whatever it is that your the fad was at the time. We've always been trying to remove restrict. We're really focusing on protein. Um, it's in, it sort of changes the mindset to doing more of something, giving you more of something versus taking away. So those are some of the things I like to start off with um, when it comes to, to, to women. And again, ideally just over time, settle down, help give them the information that's accurate science-based so that they can get rid of a lot of this conflictual, you know, talk that's going on in their mind. And as, as I've said before, and I talk about this food noise in our, we have, we spend too much of our lives worrying and thinking about the food choices we make, what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, what we, I, I like to settle that all down. So there's less, less time and energy spent on that. Yeah, so good. And it's one of my my favorite parts in bringing someone into the fit physician program or when we do a retreat or when we go do a talk, especially if they I ask them, have you ever met Suzanne before? Do you know anything about Suzanne? They maybe seen some of your posts, but they don't know anything. So I can't wait to introduce you to Suzanne. And then after they've met for that initial consultation, I always ask them, how was it? How did it go? And they say, oh my God. She's lovely, like so good, so down to earth, down to earth in your approach, um, down to earth as a person. And it just makes them feel really good about the direction they're heading from a nutrition standpoint. And to comment on your first point, which is something I see as well in the fitness realm and what we do and just being hard on themselves. Women physicians can be really, really hard on themselves when it comes to missing a workout or missing a week and having self-sabotage in in just making it even that much harder to get back into it. And it was one of our members, I remember saying, one of our members posted about struggling um, with a call shift, a busy call shift. She had done three weeks in a row of workouts, just joined the program, and she was demoralized because she had missed a week because she was on call. And I think she had several 24-hour shifts within that week. And then one of our other members said, no one would give you a hard time for missing workouts while on that call shift. So you shouldn't give yourself that hard time either. And um, that's definitely, definitely something that, that we try and do as best as we possibly can when coaching women physicians is to, to really get them in their own corner and to be their own um, sidekick and best friend in terms of putting together the habits and the routines they're looking to build. And so my last question, and this is going to become a part of each of the Fit Physician podcasts, is it is our Because You Are Worth It segment. And so I'll introduce this segment because it is our first episode. This segment is for any guest, anyone we're speaking with to share either a moment where at some point in their life, they were going through trials, they were going through tribulations, they were putting themselves last and they said, you know what, I am worth it and I made a change. And so to share that moment to inspire others or in Suzanne, this one will be a little bit easier in your case. If you have a, any women physician out there who is struggling to prioritize themselves, struggling to put themselves first, make exercise a priority, focus on nutrition, healthy habits. If you have any tidbit of advice, inspiration, you can give to help them change that narrative. So you can go either way. Yeah. Oof. It's a big one. Um, I would have to say probably versus my own aha moments, because I, I I did share some of those. I have others, but um, I would say 
again, speaking as a female physician myself, who um, I work call shifts. Um, I've, you know, used to work emerge, so I've done night shifts. Like, I, my point is, my job has changed, and I feel like I've got a good grasp of what uh, physicians' lives look, regardless of your specialty or your discipline. Um, and I know what it's like to try to balance that with family and obligations and how easy it is to put yourself last to, you know, I just don't have time for the workout. It's, you know, all of these things I have to take care of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and basically Z is my workout time or my time for myself, my self-care, what, you know, whatever that looks like. And I would have to say that truly and honestly, going back to what I speak to about living a life where you feel joy, um, the best way to do that is, like I said, to feel good about yourself and to feel in control of your decisions and your life and particularly your own health outcomes, right? So um, I can't tell you how many times we start working with women. Oh, I can tell you because you experience it, but you can see, you know, it, it, we start working with these women who have literally not prioritized themselves for years and years and years. And within a week of them just starting to commit to the workouts, commit a little bit to their nutrition, their, how they feel in life just by taking the control back is monumentally different. It doesn't take 12 weeks, three months, six months, you know, a year of workouts to actually feel in control again. Like they've got things, you know, they, they put themselves in a place where they are now making time for themselves and feeling in control of their fitness and in control of their, their, their nutrition. And that little bit of time that they're carving out, it may be 30 minutes a day, three times a week, that little bit of time, the control that they feel, um, really is so empowering that it goes, it, the benefits outweigh it so much. And when you think about it and, and, I speak to any female physician out there who's struggling right now, struggling to find time to to fit fitness into their lives again, struggling to find any time or feeling really out of control when it comes to their nutrition. The amount of time and energy we waste feeling out of control and down and disappointed in what we're not doing is monumentally larger than the time it takes to just dedicate to yourself to feel that control and to feel like you've, you know, you're on the right path again. So, you know, the, the monumental load, mental load it takes on us to just, you know, go, go to bed at night going, well, here's another day where I didn't work out or I didn't do this. And, you know, everything life got, got, took me over. Um, it even 20, 30 minutes of your day will make the huge difference. So that entire mental energy and load disappears. And that's the best way I can describe it. It's how I do it. I, I know that if I don't get my workouts in for, you know, a week, two weeks, that I will just feel it. Like I will feel less control of my life. I will feel higher stress levels. I will be less patient with my children. I will be less patient at work. And, and again, as soon as you start to experience that, how much all of that disappears when you start taking some time for yourself and taking care of yourself. It, you just never want to go back because you know you know how powerful that is. And that is because you are worth it. Thank you so much, Suzanne. This was so awesome. I think it's going to be really fun for the members who have known us for some months, some years now, which is really cool to hear this, to get a bit more insight into your story, a bit more insight into 
how wonderful you are as a nutrition coach. And um, I'm sure I'm speak for many of us when I say I've taken some tidbits away that I can already go out there and apply to my own life. But I'm also super excited to do this again and dive into some more specific topics related to uh, Fit Physician Fitness. Amazing. So excited. I can't wait to hear future podcasts from all of our amazing colleagues out there. It's going to be super exciting. Thank you again. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Fit Physician Podcast. We invite you to head over to thefitphysician.com for more free resources and to learn more about how to work with us in becoming your strongest, fittest, most confident self.